Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank and praise you for your goodness, your blessings, your working in our hearts and lives. Lord, we thank you that for the healing that we can report in the life of Nin. And Lord, um, of course, we'll be praying for her in just a little bit, but we want to thank you. Thank you for opportunities to witness. Lord, we just want to praise you for your goodness in our lives and using us. We thank you for your protecting hand, your guidance, and keeping us in the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I think we'll do the videos next. So, and turn to somewhat of a familiar passage for many of us, Psalm 19. And uh, I'll tell you, it, it does good to get out into nature. And Psalm 19 tells us, I like the way Mr. Spurgeon puts it. He calls it God's textbook. David had two books in his library. He had the book of nature and the scriptures. And uh, this delightful little psalm came uh, from David studying only those two books in his library. And it would behoove us today uh, to study the same books if we would. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race." His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them as thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And so as we look through this psalm, We have it divided up basically into three parts. We have God's textbook of nature, God's textbook of His law, God is showing us. And then the last part is the effect or God's desired effects that these should have in our life. Uh, God put them there for a purpose. God wants us to look, and I I will tell you, uh, I'm... I, I'm looking at all the pictures I can of Pluto. Why? Because we've never seen it before. I thought, that's pretty cool. Uh, 
But you know what it tells me? It tells me we don't know near what we think we know. Uh, I saw one of the pictures. It said possible cliffs and possible this. And, of course, they did not find what they so greatly desire, water. They haven't found it anywhere outside planet Earth. And even if they did, that doesn't mean there's life. And I, I love to be reminded and to remind you that only the God of heaven could waste the entire expanse of this universe to put one little planet on it and to put life in it. It teaches us about God. The heavens declare the glory of God. I mean, how big are the heavens? Uh, the number that they give us today is 13 and a half billion light years across. But is it, is it a square? Or is it a circle? What, what shape is it in? Oh, we, we just don't know. We, we like to think we know so much. But you stop and you think about just all of the beauty. I probably should have just, uh, I got a, a, one of those e-books uh, a, a while ago. It was free, and so I, I like free. But it had pictures of the Hubble Space Telescope. And in there it said, God's creation, it says the Hubble Space Telescope reflects God's creation. And whoever just, he just went through and he got the pictures and downloaded them and said, can you not see divine design in all of these pictures? And I'll tell you what, you can. It's, it's beautiful. And that's simply what the psalmist is saying. Uh, I imagine that David is recalling if he did not write this psalm when he was a very young man, he is recalling the days that he would sit out nights and watch the sheep and look up into the sky. And Con Ed hadn't been invented yet. There was no ground light to blot out all of the beauty of the heavens. Uh, I'll tell you, that's one thing. Uh, we took just a little bit of time. We should have taken more. But the first night we were out, when we could find a hole in the trees, uh, you could, it just looked like you could see forever. Uh, just glorious that rain and uh, and then it poured and uh, then it really started raining all before breakfast but we were able to make a fire and have breakfast without the rain the Lord knew exactly what he was doing and we ended the trail and put the bikes back on the rack we only had two more to go and then it started to rain and then it really rained and then it poured almost all the way home but, praise the Lord, uh, suitcase was in the van. And so we were able to get dry clothes and come home rather comfortably. And, and the Lord took care of us. But it says, the firmament showeth His handiwork. Now, when we think of the word handiwork today, we think of the handyman who takes this and puts it together. But I, I'd like to challenge you to think about all the things that happen in the skies. How that all those hundreds of tons of moisture get sucked up into the clouds. 
and then drop back onto earth as rain. I mean, we, we must have had uh, somewhere between a quarter and a half inch of rain the first night we were out. I think that'd be a pretty good estimate there. But that's over how many square miles? How in the world do you get that much rain over that much square miles? You couldn't, we could not transport that much water today with all of our technology, and yet, ah, just a little project with God. He likes to keep the place green. Amen? He sends His rain on the just and the unjust. It shows His handiwork. It says, Day unto day uttereth speech. When's the last time you went through a day and didn't check or talk about the weather? When's the last time that you didn't look up into the sky and, and think about that sun and how it keeps our planet uh, today uh, very, very warm, yet not so warm as to extinguish all life? Uh, our moon, by, by difference, on the sunny side of the moon... It's about 125 to 130 degrees when the sun is shining on it. On the dark side of the moon, it's about 200 degrees or at least 100 degrees below zero. Uh, You could not survive in those type of extremes. Not on the same day. Not continually. All life would cease to perish. In contrary to popular belief, there is no man on the moon. Amen. Uh, There have been a few men, but they didn't stay long. And... uh, Yet, day unto day, uttereth speech, night unto night. If you really want to learn something, study creation. The most incredible thing. If, if we were to take all, let's talk about, a fancy sports car. I saw a Lamborghini driving up 35th Street yesterday. I mean, $250,000, $300,000 car without all the extras, of course. Uh, and a beautiful car. And if you open the hood and you like mechanics, it's just like, wow, look at all those wires and hoses and pipes and listen to it roar. And how nice it's polished. But have you ever looked at a good wax job with a strong magnifying glass? You know what you're going to see? It's going to look like the moon craters. Because there's no such thing as smooth paint. In fact, if you were to take the most finely polished piece of metal and put it under a magnifying glass, a strong microscope, magnify it a thousand times, you would begin to see how imperfect man is. The closer you examine anything man has done, the more problems you find with it. But, if we were to just go out on the sidewalk and pick a piece of grass that's growing up in the cracks of the sidewalk, How do you get that beautiful green grass from New York City dirt and a little bit of clear water? 
But as you examine that blade of grass under a magnifying glass, you'll see that there are fine little stems all through the leaf of that grass and little tiny hairs that catch the raindrops or the dew and hold it there so the moisture can be absorbed into the plant. And if we pulled it out, we could look at the root system that reaches down through that crack in the sidewalk that Andrew didn't seal yet. And, and uh thought I'd get that in there. And... Uh, And it reaches through the concrete and finds enough soil to take nutrients out of what we sweep up and throw away. And yet, if we got out a very powerful microscope and and really begin to open that up, the more we examine it, the more beautiful it becomes. We could see the individual cells and the chloroplast in the cells God's most efficient engine ever designed that takes sunlight and water and makes energy out of it. We have not figured that out yet. All we would like to, oh, if we could unlock that, we could put away all the atomic plants and everything. We could grow our own energy, but we can't figure it out. Because God's a little smarter than we are. You see, day unto day utter speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no language, speech, I'm sorry, nor language. Now, here we have a little poetry. He's using the same two words talking about the same thing. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. What he's saying is, there is no communication that has ever happened in the history of mankind that has not concluded and not included dialogue about God's creation. You know what? Man has worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars. They've made deities out of them. And if you have, uh, you can get a little app for your phone and it'll show you where all the constellations are. And it'll tell you all the horrible stories of the terrible things that the people who did that they named the constellations after. And yet... That doesn't even sum up one-tenth of one-thousandth percent of all the stars that we can see in the sky at night. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. I've had people read these verses and they say, see there, the sun isn't still, the sun is moving. The Bible said so. And uh, you know what? I can't answer those questions. I've read their books. The, The earth is standing still and everything moves around it. Well, I'll tell you what. When I get up in the morning... It looks like the sun is moving, doesn't it? Anybody argue that point? I mean, it starts out below the ridge. I mean, I I like getting up and watching the sun come up over the mountains. Oh, is that beautiful. Shine down on the river. Guess what? David's just describing what we see. 
and that heat of the sun. We would ride down that trail, and all of a sudden, it was like somebody turned on a big air conditioner and was blowing cool air across the trail. You know what it was? Uh, if you saw that waterfall there toward the end, it was those springs coming down the side of the mountain. The trees were so thick that it was like a, uh, just a huge cooling cell. And as the breeze brought for, went forth over that cold water and under the shade of those trees, oh, I just wanted to park there and, and sit for an hour or two and cool off a little bit out from under the heat of the sun. You see, there's nothing hid from the heat of the sun. Even the darkest caves. They talk about, oh, they're only 40 degrees. Well, you know what they would be if the sun weren't shining on the earth? 285 degrees below zero. That's what the temperature is in outer space. And so, that is God's textbook. I've, I've met people who say, I just go to church in nature. Well, you ought to go to church in nature. But not on Sundays. On, on Mondays and Tuesdays with church bike trip. Amen? Or, or with our ladies camping trip there, cabin trip, whatever you call that. Uh, there, there's lots of time to see nature. But you see, as the psalmist is going through here, he's now going to take the idea, the beauty, the complications, the wonderful things that make up nature that teach us about God. He said, now, if you really want to learn about God, here's the second book to study. The law of the Lord is perfect. I like what the old preacher said many years ago. He said, we have about two and a half million laws in the federal statutory book of the United States of America, and every one of them is trying to help us keep the Ten Commandments. I've said that, repeated it often. And you know what? We don't have a perfect law system. we got lots of problems. Every time we think we got something solved, somebody finds a new way to do it. Uh, to get around it, to make loopholes in it. Can you find a loophole in the Ten Commandments? Stop and think about it a minute. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How do you get around that? How, how do you explain that one away? I remember when our church was first got into the building here, I, I said, now our church has been given a little printing press and we want to print things for our church. Uh, how do we go about setting that up so we make sure we're not breaking any laws and all of this? And the guy, oh, I can't tell you that. I said, really? He said, because if I told you, you'd find a way to get around it and start printing Chinese menus downstairs and making money and, and, and uh, cheating the government out of its tax income. I said, you know something? I said, that's crazy. He said, no, it's not. He said, we just raided Sung Young Moon's headquarters. This is 20-some years ago. And we found printing presses there and stacks of Chinese menus that they were printing illegally using church building and church time and all of this to try to make money for their church. I said, so... 
as long as we're doing church work, you can't really say anything about it. He says, well, um, uh, well, yeah, as long as it's church stuff. I said, well, I don't have a problem in the world with you. And hung up the phone. And uh, we printed over a million tracks downstairs, Brother Dave Rodriguez and that, printing for us and printing for other churches. And finally we gave the press away and, and uh, we just ordered another 20,000 tracks this week. So hopefully we'll get those in in just a little bit and give them out. Because the law of the Lord is perfect. There are no errors You know what the law of the Lord does? Look at verse 7. It converts the soul. How many of you live a changed life because of what you read in that book right there? Could you say amen? God's Word changes us. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Did you get that? It's not making simple wise. It's making wise simple. You know why? Because God does not need your thought processes. He doesn't need your intellect. God has never hired a lawyer in His entire existence. He doesn't need one. He's not looking to complicate things. He's looking to make it simple. And aren't you glad? We can stop trying to figure it out and just trust the Lord. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. How many of you found peace in your heart because of obedience to what the Bible says? I mean, we don't have to spend a long time explaining these things. It's it's just right there in the Word. And it says... The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. There are things to be had in this life. They cannot be valued with gold. There is a sweetness that God wants our soul to enjoy. They cannot be measured with the sweetest things that we know in nature. Now here's where it gets into the nitty gritty. Here's where God said, now this is what I want to have happen. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them there is great reward. I've not lived as long as many people, but in the 50 short years that I've been here, I've watched what happens in people's lives. Those that are always trying to make things happen, to get ahead, to get a little bit of this, to to provide for themselves, to make things happen. And those that just simply say, I'll trust in the Lord. Tell you what, I want to be in the latter. How about you? I want to be in that group. They just simply trust the Lord. There are so much greater rewards that are there than can be had anywhere on this earth. Who can understand his errors? 
cleanse thou me from secret faults. I just love the way the psalmist puts it here. How many of you have ever thought God made a mistake? I mean, you know that God never makes a mistake. He never does anything wrong. But if you found yourself in a very difficult situation, it's really easy to go, Lord, is this exactly the right way it ought to be? And here's what the psalmist is saying. Even if God messed up, which he can't, of course, you wouldn't know it. Have you ever heard a professional musician play? I mean, somebody that is really good. You can't tell their mistakes. Now, are they making them? Oh, guaranteed, they are making mistakes. No one plays anything perfectly ever. But the difference between a professional is you can't hear them. You don't see them. I have tried my hand at putting joint compound on the wall. It's called taping. You know what? You can see every mark I make. I don't care how much you sand it. I don't care how many times you recode it. I don't care how much effort is put in it. Now, Brother Monette, when he does it, it's like, where'd the wall go? Everything disappears. The psalmist is not saying who can understand his errors. He's saying there are none. But even if we allowed that there could be some, you're not smart enough to even know what they are. Who can understand? When the Lord does things, He always does it right. You see, cleanse thou me from secret faults. The greatest sin we commit is we love to sit ourselves on the throne and find fault with things. That's Psalm 1. Sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That's what we do. How many of you have ever thought, if I was mayor of New York City, I would... Don't raise your hand. Most of you have at one point or another. Or if I was president of the United States, I'd straighten this thing. No, you wouldn't. Listen, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Don't allow yourself to consider the fact that God may have done something wrong. That's what the psalmist is saying in these words. It, God never does anything wrong. We know that. You wouldn't be able to tell even if He did. And that's not saying that He could. Because He can't. He would violate His own character and His own person to do so. But far be it from me to sit in a place and try to find fault or figure out a better way for God to do things 
And yet that is human nature. And the cure for that, the cure for that is to be warned by his precepts and to keep his laws. Verse 13 says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. You know, I I wish I could tell you, back in uh, the 30s and the 40s, it kind of developed and reached its uh, height in the uh, late 40s and early 50s after World War II. It was called the Holiness Movement. And and people thought that they could reach a state of sinless perfection here on earth. My mother attended one of those churches, and she said, the only problem with those totally sanctified people was, I knew what they did during the week before Sunday, and it wasn't Christian. In fact, it was worse than most of the Christians did. And yet they would come on Sunday and say, I've reached a point of complete sanctification. I have never sinned. The psalmist says, keep me from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. You know, the drug addict did not choose to lay in the gutter and wrap his arm with a tourniquet two or three times a day trying to shoot up enough dope to keep his senses about him. But he did choose to do drugs the first time. The alcoholic didn't choose a life of living in utter degradation and, and, and depending upon everyone around them to support them and keep them going when they were under the influence. But somewhere they chose to drink. David says, keep me from these presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. He said, then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Now, I don't pretend to know exactly what that is, but I I believe that the, the great transgression simply is this. You will meet people who struggle with sin and they'll come to a point where they'll either get the victory over that sin and start living for God or... They'll say, God made me this way. You know what? God didn't make you that way. You were not born in God's image. You were born in Adam's image. Adam's image was marred by sin. And if you'll come to God, He'll remake you in His image and give His Holy Spirit to live inside of you and take the place of your dead spirit that was dead in trespasses and sins He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O my Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let the words of my mouth, what I speak, and the meditation of my heart. You know, what do you think about when you don't have to think about anything else? When you just kind of shift your brain into neutral and let it drift, where, where does it go? 
It says, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Because the Lord is my strength and my Redeemer. It's a beautiful psalm of praise, is it not? God's textbook of nature. God's textbook of His law. But how those two things ought to work together to change and make my life different. That's what God wants to do with His words. That's what He wants to accomplish. That He would be our strength. That He is our Redeemer. He's the only one that can pay the price. And we need to trust in Him and to walk with Him. Beautiful little psalm here. Psalm of David. Can't you see him as a young man out in the fields playing his harp and praising the Lord and looking up at the stars at night and watching the sun and the, and the passing showers during the day? And then you see him as a king. And the Bible tells us as a king, it was his responsibility to by hand copy from the scrolls a a complete text of God's laws and to study that day and night. And could you see the king writing with his own hand? The laws of the Lord are perfect. They convert the soul. Let, Let me... And then he gets into that point, let it change. Let God's books change me in the way I walk, in the way I talk, and what my heart does when I'm not driving it to do something, because he is my strength and my redeemer. Psalm 19, and all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for this psalm, and we ask that Your words would have their desired effect in our lives. Lord, that you would keep us and guide us in the way. That we could understand the keeping of your laws is greater than any amount of gold that can be passed from man to man. Sweeter than anything that can be uh, made on this earth are your words. And Lord, let us walk in them. And before we finish that prayer, just keep our heads bowed. If you need to slip out and spend a few moments, the altar is open.